You're listening to the Neighbors and Nations podcast. Welcome to the podcast today. Glad you've tuned in. My name is Todd Stiles, and I'm the host of Neighbors and Nations, a podcast designed to stir within us a heart for missions, both local and global. I'm really excited to share with you today a, a conversation I had with Dr. Tim Labinus. He's the executive director of the Baptist Convention of Iowa. He's also president of Reach the Rest. In addition, Tim is a former missionary with the International Mission Board, having spent several years overseas in key places. Uh, Furthermore, Tim was on staff at a local church overseeing their global ministries. So just those key elements of his resume, you can see how Tim brings a unique bit of wisdom, perspective, and insight to this interview. He has a lot of experience in things pertaining to both neighbors and nations. Now, I've known Tim for several years. I've worked with him on a number of projects, and one of Tim's strongest suits is his ability to think systematically and efficiently. I mean, he sees solutions so quickly, and what a gift he is to the body of Christ. In fact, what a gift he's been to me personally on several occasions, as I've often pondered, you know, various scenarios, and Tim has leaned in as a friend with really good coaching and counsel. And I think you'll hear that coming through in this interview without a doubt. So let's dive right into my conversation with Tim Labinus on this episode of Neighbors and Nations. Welcome today. So glad you've joined us. I'm really excited to have our guest with us. Uh, His name is Tim Labinus. And Tim, welcome today. Glad you're on the podcast. Hi, Todd. Thanks for having me today. It'll be great for our folks to hear more about you and your heart for the for the nations. You know, our podcast is called Neighbors and Nations. And for those who are listening, Tim would be one of those specialists, I think, in this area of, of the nations. Tim, tell us a bit, what's kind of a thread that runs through uh, your ministry? Can you have several things you're doing with Baptist Convention of Iowa, Reach the Rest, and other projects? But what's a thread that runs through all of those uh, maybe even tie that into some of your history on the mission field. Yeah, good. I think the thread is, uh, you know, reaching the the most unreached. Uh, when I was in college, I sensed God leading us to go overseas just uh, as a, a farm kid, even coming to Iowa State, just see, having some exposure to the nations, uh, different international students who are around and the, the need that I began to understand around the world. So uh, God began to lead uh, my wife Darlene and I overseas to uh, consider how we can be part of what he's doing. We, we spent a few weeks in Kenya, Africa, while we were college students and enjoyed some time uh, working cross-culturally and living with the missionary family, getting a sense for what it's like overseas. And then soon after that, decided that we wanted to be involved basically in international cross-cultural work, but also church planting. Uh, We had a a heart for uh, seeing new churches start as sort of God's instrument in reaching Mm. the lost in a community. And so you were a missionary then, I guess, what, um, in a couple of countries, different countries? Yeah. So we started in Korea. Uh, and worked with college students at that point. And we were there six years. We learned language and culture and started a, 
student ministry connected with local churches. And then, uh, as you know, uh, Korea is a pretty reached area. Uh, and so after a few years there, we were in our thirties, we had four kids and we decided we better move now or it's going to get harder. And so we moved to, uh, uh, Turkey and worked there uh, for 10 years. And we were team leaders there uh, trying to support church planters on our team that worked throughout the whole country. You mentioned some words there that I think uh, are particular to those who have um, interest in and skills at like um, reaching nations or working in global areas, like the word reached. I'm not sure that all of our listeners kind of know what that means. They might say, well, not everyone's born again. How can it be reached? Take a minute and kind of walk us through some of like that term specifically in regards to how it's used when it comes to talking about nations. Yeah, very good. Of course, there are uh, some barriers between one culture and another where the gospel doesn't just naturally flow because of maybe a difference in language or religion or uh, some socioeconomic or sociological reason. And so there are a whole people groups, uh, ethnic groups who maybe speak the same language, who have little access to the gospel. And so the more reached ones uh, would have a, uh, a good opportunity to know there are churches around or to uh, be influenced by a believer in their friendship circle. And Iowa's is like that in a sense that most people aren't evangelical churchgoers in Iowa, but everyone really has, uh, or most people have access mm. to uh, a church. They know a church or they know a believer. And then of course, in some areas of the world, there's no access. And, and right. there are even whole people groups with no known believers or no known churches. And uh, so there, there's some uh, marker between those two uh, where uh, we can define an unreached people group as having little access to the gospel. Yeah, that's a, that's a good distinguishing word, need versus access. Do you think that some of this thing that drives you, some of your heart for least access areas, was was that kind of um, germinated, shall we say, maybe at Iowa State when you went there as a college student just after you were born again? Or do you think maybe that was something even earlier? Yeah, I would say... Uh, it was toward the end of my high school time when I had really understood the gospel after growing up in uh, uh, one of our mainline churches in Iowa. And uh, at that point, I understood more about heaven and hell and salvation and my response to that. And, and I, I regard that time late in high school as the time when I... Um, received Jesus and uh, asked forgiveness of my sins and began to walk with him. But it was at Iowa State when I think when I had more access to international students and then just the uh, being in a, uh, a little bit more urban area than uh, my farm background, just seeing the, the large number of people who many had little interest in the gospel and then uh, I met guys from Nepal, from India, from uh, Korea, and uh, got to know them and enjoyed uh, learning about their cultures. And then see, just hearing that they 
didn't have an opportunity to uh, hear the gospel. My friend from Nepal, I knew at that point there was really hard for uh, believers uh, to either live there or to get in there as foreigners. And I thought, wow, this is a great opportunity to share the gospel with someone who has so little opportunity back home to hear the gospel. So I started thinking, ah, that's what I want to do. I see. It's amazing how God can stir your heart for a place far away, just right where you are sometimes. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I think there's a pretty interesting, interesting story. I think Darlene may have shared this one day, but, um, Maybe just kind of share it again, or or maybe correct me if it's not true, <laughs> or verify it. But I think not not too long after you were born again, didn't you begin to pass out like uh, invitations to a rally or some kind of event to all your classmates in their lockers or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, May of my junior year when I uh, went to a a meeting in. Northwest Iowa and heard the gospel. And by the fall, I'd kind of learned a lot. And uh, so I started a youth group in my high school. And uh, one of the things that we did was pass out gospel tracts in lockers. And so we had ordered them and found them. And we had uh, got to school early one uh, morning, and our little team had put gospel tracks in every locker. I think that's what she was referring to. I think you're right. You know, I love that because it shows not just a heart for nations, but it shows even in the beginning of your Christian walk, God's given you a heart for your neighbors. I mean, those closest to you right there, you know, and and not being ashamed of that and just witnessing and sharing your faith. Um, I, I don't know how God does it, but somewhere in that, uh, you know, God was massaging your heart, getting you mm-hmm. ready probably for, what was to come. So, yeah. Yep. I think you're right. I just love the way that God works in that way. Uh, you were young, obviously pre-college, then you went to college and you met a lot of international students. You said, talk to me a bit about the young missionary force currently, the need for a missions call to young people. Uh, what does that look like to you? And um, do you see the young mission force gaining strength or is it weakening? Kind of share some insight on that. Yeah, good. I mean, I'm encouraged by uh, the commitment to young people to uh, search for meaningful contribution to the kingdom of God as a priority. Uh, it's uh, There are some that are after just uh, worldliness and materialism and selfish, but there are a lot of just really godly people who are uh, in search of doing whatever it takes to uh, follow Jesus uh, in hard parts of the world. And so that's really encouraging. Yeah, that's I think uh, a trend that's I'm trying to understand for younger people is they, they have a sh- shorter term mindset uh, where when I, I don't want to be the old guy, but when I uh, <laughs> went uh, overseas for the first time, uh, it was, I went for three years and then come back and uh, I had every intention of staying overseas years and years and years. And so for me being in Korea six years and 10 years, those both seem kind of short to me. And, okay. now, and now it seems like the some of the younger folk look at um, maybe six months or 10 months as about a good length of time to commit to any one project. 
So uh, the good news is they don't get locked down to uh, a situation that maybe doesn't fit. And the bad news is it really takes a long time to learn language and culture in a way to that you can really have impact. It not not measured in months, but in years. Mm, that's good advice. So you're yeah. saying look to a longer term than a shorter term. Yeah, I think the shorter terms are good for uh, learning and you know discovery of what country might fit or people group or team or organization. Uh, and and get a taste of different kinds of ministry. So that's that's what's helpful for the shorter term things. Uh, but to have long term impact, uh, really jumping deep in language and culture with the long term mindset, I think is mm-hmm. is a better way uh, to understand that. And you bring up an interesting point: the idea of language and culture. And, and admittedly, if you're looking at someone going overseas or to a hard area. Um, that's a whole different ballgame than locally. But I think the principle of contextualization or getting into someone's world is true in both, don't you? Like you've got to take the time to get into their life and get into the world they live in, regardless if it's neighbors or nations. True? Yes. Uh, there's just so many concepts and words that need deeper explanation and cultural understanding to be sure you're communicating. For example, you know, in some parts of the world, world, uh, being a Christian communicates maybe a political party more than a faith, or it communicates a uh, institutional faith uh, relationship more than a personal faith. And so if you just say Christian, you may think uh, you've communicated, but you may have communicated something opposite. Or even that Jesus is God, you know, try going to South Asia and saying Jesus is God. Nobody will disagree, but they have a different understanding since they already have 300 million gods that one more is, is uh, not really as significant there as, as what you think you're communicating. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh, that's so helpful if even for all of us just to think through that, you know, sharing our faith or being concerned for others and their spiritual condition whether locally or globally, isn't just a passing um, 30-second invite. Right. I'm not saying God couldn't use that, but I think what you're saying is there has to be a strong commitment to, to, to getting into someone's world, learning their language, hearing their need, uh, having conversation. And well, I find that more and more difficult in our, our quick soundbite culture, you know? Yeah. Where people just want a quick drive by this or a drive through that. Um, building the kind of relationships where you can eventually have those kind of deep conversations. I find that um, challenging to be frank with you. I don't know if you do, but boy, it's, it's not popular sometimes to take that kind of time. Right. And, and I, you know, think of my faith background, you know, I had years of uh, um, Sunday school and uh, going to worship services and vacation Bible school and that kind of thing. Uh, and even with that background, it took me 17 years to get it. Hmm. So and you, you weren't and unchurched, right? I wasn't unchurched. And so that, that, uh, series of meetings that I went to probably would not have communicated much had it not been for the foundation that I already had. Hmm. And so to think that, um, going overseas, we can build on a foundation of a lot of false teaching about who Jesus is 
and to try to very quickly build a, you know, a church on top of such a weak foundation, uh, it's, it's very difficult to do. And we may find that we're multiplying unhealth or deviant kinds of um, theological systems if we don't very well understand the, the culture that we're working in. So you talked about where you're from, this town that you attended this church. Um, one thing I love about your story is you're from a small town. Is that correct in Iowa? Yeah, I'm from a farm outside of a town of 500 people, three miles, <laughs> three miles from the town. Yeah, that's pretty small. And yeah. I love the fact that uh, yet somewhere in that small little area, there was a church and whether it was healthy or vibrant, I don't know exactly, but God used that somehow to ignite in you a spark, to bring you to faith, to send you to Iowa State, to land you in Korea and Turkey. And sometimes, you know, we get the impression that God doesn't do much in small towns or rural places. What can mm-hmm. really come from there? But man, look what God brought from that one place and the impact you're having through his grace all across the world at times. I, I think that's uh, something our rural churches would do well to hear it. It would be encouraging that you never know what one person God's going to raise up from a tiny little church. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, God God can do what he does. And then sometimes he delights into taking unexpected situations and yeah. uh, working through them. Yeah. So right now, currently with BCI, you, you work with a lot of rural places, correct? In church planting? Yes, uh, we we have uh, 100, 120 churches spread throughout the state. Some in in larger in Des Moines and in the larger cities, and uh, a lot of rural churches as well. The vast majority of those, though, are probably in smaller towns, right? Yeah, the majority of the just the number of churches are in smaller towns. The majority of our uh, Sunday worshipers are in the larger cities. Okay. So talk for a minute in regards to neighbors and nations. Talk to that pastor in that town like where you grew up. And that church is, you know, he, he wants to, he's got a good foundation, wants to make an impact for God. But just population-wise or even demographic-wise, it's going to be hard to grow, you know, to a substantial amount. Encourage him a little bit in regards to neighbors and nations and reaching out and developing within his people a, a mindset for, for what God's doing across the world. What, what would you say to them right now? Yeah, well, I would say uh, step one, and when we talked about knowing the language and culture, there's no one that has the local language and culture like you do, nor Mm. the proximity, nor the responsibility. And so uh, sometimes uh, we um, glamorize uh, getting on an airplane and (laughs) going to another country, and that's where real ministry happens. But no, the, the place to have the most impact. In fact, where that church has the most impact that others maybe don't is in their local community and their local language with the local history. So that's to be affirmed and acknowledged and uh, uh, really emphasized. But uh, I think what you're uh, talking about is to say, what else? After uh, working hard on that, is there something else we can do for the nations? Well, uh, there might be pockets of people and even in rural areas where they uh, culturally aren't part of that community that you can reach out to. Uh, There might be um, 
opportunities to partner with those who are overseas or in different cultures working in the nations through uh, supporting through prayer or through financially other organizations who are reaching the nations. Or there might be opportunities for either shorter term projects where, where that congregation or people from that congregation can be involved in serving a team overseas, or even in like in my situation of sending someone to go long-term overseas. Right. So each of those I think are, are great opportunities for ministry. That's some really good insight. And that, what you said earlier, those three words, you said priority, responsibility, and the other ones. Yeah. Proximity. Proximity. That's, that's gold, man. And think about that pastor in that small church, they really, he holds the keys in some ways, doesn't he, to that specific area in those three ways. So, yeah, exactly. And, and let's, let's affirm that. And amen. that's meaningful. That's really good. You know, that is interesting to me, even just in our talk today, and we've known each other for years, we've got a good relationship, but even in this talk today, uh, how the idea of near culture um, strategy is, it's something I think it's really in your heart, something you deeply believe in. And it, it's showing up today, even in talking about the rural Iowa pastor, like they've got they've got the uh, proximity and the responsibility priority. So tell us a little bit about that actual word, near culture strategy, something I know you have um, uh, been committed to, maybe how it's affected some of your work overseas. Yeah, very good. Uh, I, I think that the combination of near culture and church planting are a thread that has run through a, a lot of uh, what I am sent, have sent God has led me in ministry. Uh, so in in Korea, the way that we handled that was learning the language and culture. And so we became a near culture as best as we could. Uh, we, we knew the holidays, we knew uh, the food, uh, we could talk, and we we did ministry that had a goal of starting new churches there. Uh, the same in, in Turkey. And and so the unusual thing is it's the same in Iowa. I think that the 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 ministry that I do now and I have done in the past in Iowa has primarily been to affirm local uh, church planting in in the local culture. And so if you're an Iowan and and uh, that's the culture you understand most, and so work in that mm. and. And I think that's the kind of default we should all have is to work in our local culture in our own community. Or there are some who will work in a new culture that they've learned uh, and and do ministry there uh, in partnership with the local church. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because the Lord is given you a, a unique ability to mobilize people, Tim, to kind of motivate and. Um, uh, gather them for a strategic reason. And I think um, this idea of near culture strategy, you've, you've been able to mobilize some planters, even in a foreign country, to go to a nearby country, haven't you? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So when when I was in Turkey, I was thinking uh, our, our main tool to add to the workers there was to recruit other North Americans or mm. to develop local Turkish believers. And so I started to think, well, is there another tool in our toolbox? And it was, who are other believers who we could invite to, 
to come and reach a nation with 80 million people, 99% uh, not Christian. Wow. And uh, I started thinking, who are the near neighbors? Who are the near culture, either in language or in socioeconomic, uh, geography, or history? And uh, and took a trip in the surrounding areas to meet believers in the nearby countries. And I invited some to come on a short-term discovery trip uh, 10 years ago. And some came and we just crossed the 10-year mark where some of uh, okay. believers from nearby countries have come to Turkey. And they're so fast in learning the language and culture. And, and they some of them have... Uh, similar backgrounds uh culturally and religiously as in turkey and uh they they've just done a great job in in working in turkey so so i i really believe in the idea of the uh, near culture believers uh either learning it like i did or those who have less to learn because they're culturally near of uh, crossing those borders to help reach the most unreached in the world Again, that's just um, that's a real gift God give God has given you. Just thinking strategically and systematically about how can we get the job done in the most efficient manner, because that has to be a logistical and financial win for the church, right? If someone who's nearer can get there and be faster and be better. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they, uh, as it turns out, they're they under they can work better in that culture and so they just know how to live cheaper than maybe hmm. north americans and, <laughs> yeah, and i'm not surprised at that <laughs> and their their transportation and school and car and any other kind housing costs food costs are all much less than the average north american yeah do do most countries and in your your opinion I, this may be a geographical question but do all countries have a a near culture near them? Is it just a proximity thing, or is it also a, a understanding thing? Yeah, uh, you know, some geographic borders uh, cut people groups, uh, and there are near neighbors where where the language is similar, and it's, it, one person can learn the new language very quickly, or there's some religious beliefs that are. The, uh, similar, and they can learn a new culture very quickly. So I think, you know, by definition, everybody has neighbors. And so any country in the world, the the neighbor's language and culture and religion, climate, socioeconomic situation is probably more similar than, than simply North Americans. Sure. That's, that's interesting how you've really connected both the words that are the centerpiece of this podcast, neighbors and nations, you've put them together in a great way today. And I, and I really appreciate that about you. And just thanks for chatting with us. I have one more question for you. Um, yeah, tell me something that uh, you'd love to see God do before you die. Yeah, that's very good. Uh, I, I really think that this one thing that we've talked about where uh North Americans can find their peace in the world uh, of how to not just go to the nations, but also enable uh, nearby believers to go to the nations. So uh, when even a generation ago, when I first went overseas, 
we thought in terms of the Great Commission being met by those of us in North America or other Christian, historical Christian countries. But now it's everywhere to everywhere. Hmm. And uh, for us as North Americans to to take the piece to the task where we don't necessarily have to be on the front line, but we can use our resources, our gifting, and our experience to enable others to cross cultural lines to reach the most unreached. I think that would be a a cool thing to happen more and more uh, in in this next few decades. Well, that would be amazing. And I think, uh, pardon me for getting political here, but when you talk about that idea, my first thoughts are, you know, that really runs against the idea of this American exceptionalism. Uh, you know, the American church has it best. We know how to do it better. Uh, even just the American citizen, you know, we, we have a tendency to make ourselves the middle of every equation. And what I hear you saying is, um, let's not be the great uh, rescuer, the one with all the answers. Let's see how we can equip and enable and mobilize others who could probably do it better because they're closer in culture and even location. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great thing to be praying about. Tim, thanks for your time today. Thanks for just uh, leaning in on this topic of neighbors and nations. I really appreciate it. Yes, I enjoyed it. Thanks for the conversation today, Tom. There may be some folks who want to reach out to you and contact you in some way uh, in regards to maybe missions, perhaps uh, church planting here in Iowa. I don't know. You're with a, a couple of different organizations I know. Uh, how can folks get a hold of you and contact you? Yeah, Uh my uh, Baptist Convention of Iowa email address is tlubinus, L-U-B-I-N-U-S, at bciowa.org. And that'll come directly to me, and I can respond back. Great. Um, yeah, Tim's available. Um, just thanks for your heart. Thanks for your work. Tim, we greatly appreciate you. And, man, th- thanks for taking time just to help us um, get a better handle on Neighbors and Nations. And I believe also... You have a website too, don't you? Is it worldchristians.net? Yeah, worldchristians.info. Okay, correction there, worldchristians.info. And there's a lot of information on there about missions, both globally and locally, I think. Yes, and that site is particularly designed for uh, either a, a missions committee or a staff member or a volunteer staff person at a local church to have some resources uh, in uh, both learning and in uh, breaking down the different components of his job. So that that's what that site's d- designed for. Good. So there you go, folks. A great resource, if that's you. And Tim, this conversation will be a good resource. And again, thanks for your time. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Okay. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Neighbors and Nations podcast. To learn more about how to support this podcast and our partners, go to toddstyles.net slash podcast. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe in your favorite podcasting app.